Today's daf is that Lamed, we are holding ten lines from the bottom of Haftes Amit Beis. So we're in the middle of the Sugya. The uh, Gemara had, the Mishnah had brought down a machlokas between Rabbi Meir and Rabbi Yehuda. And the uh, explanation of the Mishnah, at least according to Abaya, was the following, is that they argue about two points. The first point they argue about is whether you hold niskal pashea, if a person trips and then breaks something because he tripped, is he considered negligent? The man says yes. Therefore, if a person trips holding a jug or a barrel and it creates a, a uh, it damages somebody uh, while he falls or before he has a chance to pick it up, He's considered negligent because that's Nisgal's Bashar. Whereas Rehuda hold, uh, held that Nisgal, that person trips, is an onus. And therefore, if he, while tripping, then uh, his barrel or, or drug breaks and damages somebody, so he is potter again because it's an onus, it's an accident. The second machlokus was that if he tripped and created a hazard in the Rishusarabim, and instead of collecting up the pieces, he was mafker them. He made them ownerless. So Mayor says, you're chayyab, because that is the classical case of bar v'shosarabim. Bar v'shosarabim, that is the case of bar. The Torah says that you dig a pit and an animal falls in and dies. You're chayyab for that. That's talking a pit that was dug in v'shosarabim, which is ownerless. But even if it's ownerless, that's the case where you're chayyab, in that case of bar. So being mafker your hazard that you create in Rosh Hashanah does not exempt you from liability. It just puts you into the category of bar. Rabbi Yehuda said you're potter. Now, the question is, why does Rabbi Yehuda hold your potter? So we had yesterday a machlokas, Rabbi Lozer and Rabbi Yochanan. And it, the, the machlokas, the memra that brought down the machlokas did not stipulate exactly who took which position, which what we're trying to figure out which held which position. But it was trying to define, in the opinion of Rabbi Yehuda, or otherwise known as the Chachamim in the Brisa, so Rabbi Yehuda slash Chachamim, what is his position? What is Rabbi Yehuda's position? Is it that he disagrees completely with Rav Meir, and he holds that the bar of the Torah is actually a case where you still maintain ownership of the bar? You had dug a pit in your own Rishus, your own domain, and then you were mafkir the area around the bar, but just held on to the area within the bar, and that's when you chive. But if you dug a, a bar in Rishus Arabim, you know, not to, uh, you're not a tzaddik for doing it, but that's not the case of bar, because bar requires ownership. And therefore, in the Mishnah, when you mafkir the pieces that you, that, that, that from your broken jug, that's why Yehuda holds your potter because it's not bor because bor is not a borshal hefker. That's one way of understanding Rabbi Yehuda. The other way of understanding Rabbi Yehuda is he agrees with Rav Meir that a bor of the Torah is a bor of hefker. However, since in the Mishnah the case of bor came through an onus because of Yehuda's shita's niskalis peshe when you tripped and you created the hazard through an onus. In that case, that's where you're not liable. And that's why it says you're potter. But if you 
uh, under your own volition dug a bore in Rishas Arabim, or you put down something in Rishas Arabim and you are mafkir, in such a case, you would be chayiv, because even if Yehuda holds the bore of the Torah is a bore shal hefker. Just now Mishnah, where it came through an onus, that's where you were potter. So that was a machlokas, big machlokas, trying to understand the sheet of Yehuda. The Gemara was trying try to say that Rabbi Lozer must be the one who holds that if you put something down as Rav Mavkir without an onus, that Rabbi Yehuda holds that you are chayu because for of the Torah is the bar of Hefkir. And how, why do we think Rabbi Lozer was the one who said that? Because Rabbi Lozer quoted his Rebbe, Rabbi Yishmael, saying that two things in the Torah, even though you don't own, the Torah considers as if you, you do own them for liability. One is chametz after six hours on Erev Pesach, and the other one is it was bor Rabbim, even though you don't own it, but you're chayv, so it's as if you own it. So clearly, Rabbi Loza must take the position that the bar of the Torah is a bar of Hefker. So that must be only in the Mishnah, your potter, in Rabbi Yehuda's opinion, because of onus, because you trip, but not because bar of Hefker is potter. So one points out, if you're going to tell me you're attributing the position of Rabbi Loza is the one that's saying is when you put down an object and you mafkir it, according to Rabbi Yehudi Yabichayev, so then Rabbi Yochanan Amar Potter, then Rabbi Yochanan must be taking the other position that the sheet of Rabbi Yehuda is, he holds Borsh and Hefkir your Potter. Well, me, I'm Rabbi Yochanan Hachi, does that really, is that really what Rabbi Yochanan holds? But none, we learned in a Mishnah, this is going to be on uh, Lamed Amid, on the It says as follows, Hamatzniyas that coats, person who hid a thorn, or glass, a piece of glass, the agoder gidro, or a person who makes a fence, a budding on the border, of, made it out of thorns, of Rishusarabim. So the first two cases, he hid a thorn or he hid glass in the Rishusarabim, or he made his fence on the border of Rishusarabim, made out of thorns. The geder shenofel Rishusarabim, or he created a hazard because his fence fell into, his, his stone fence fell into the Rosh Hashanah. In all of these cases, Huzak Bahen Acher, somebody was damaged by either the thorn, the glass, uh, the, the stones that fell into Rosh Hashanah. Chayav Benizko, the owner is Chayav for damages. That's the Mishnah. On that Amor of Yochanan comes along the Amor of Yochanan and he explained. He says that uh, in the case where you have a fence made out of thorns, you're only chayyeh the mafriach. Mafriach means where they intrude, they project into the Rishus Rabbim, they create a hazard in the airspace of Rishus Rabbim. But if you set back your property, your fence, and you made the fence out of thorns, not abutting the Rishus Rabbim, but as a setback, so then potter, you'll be potter. And it means even if as Rashi points out, that you allowed the Rabbin to use this area that you set back, you still would be potter if they rub up against the thorns, uh, you would not be high. The only time you're high in the Mishnah is because the thorns were creating a hazard in the Rishasa Rabbin. But you made the setback, even if you allow the Rabbin to come take you, make use of your uh, setback, it's still it was it's not the same thing as making a hazard in Rishus Rabin and you would be potter. 
But Samson, my time of Potter, why does Rabbi Yochanan hold that you're Potter if you created the setback? So he says, Lechorah, the reason must be because if you have a setback, so you're really making the bore, which is, i.e., the thorns in this case, is considered Rishusso. It's, it's where you, it's in your own property. You own the property. And, it, and an obstacle where you own the property must be and he holds your potter, so we can infer that the case of Bor in the Torah, according to Yochanan, must be where you don't own the property. It's Bor versus Aramis, where you create a hazard in the public domain in an area that you don't own. So Alma, Mavkir, Nizakov, Chayev. So then it would come out that Yochanan's opinion would be not like we want to attribute to him, but in the sheet of the Chacham, in the sheet of Yehuda, who he seems to be paskening here, is that if you dug a bore in the Rishwasa Rabin, you would be higher because a bore of Hefker is the case of bore of the Torah. So we want to say before it's going like Rabbi Lozo, that Shita, which means Rabbi Yochanan wouldn't agree with it. But here we see that Rabbi Yochanan also seems to hold that opinion. So says, no, maybe your conclusion is not a correct one. Rabbi Yochanan could be holds that when you put something in Rishwasa Rabin, when you dig a bore in Rishwasa Rabin, and, 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 and your mafkir, your item, or you, you don't own the boar, you'd be potter from boar. So Mitzamsen, my time of potter. So why is the case where when you made the setback and you created a hazard on your own rishus, why would that not be the same thing of boar if you hold that Rav Yochanan holds that boar, rishus ayochit is the case of boar in the Torah. So why were the thorns where you created the setback? Mishum de'it ma'alai, it could be because concerning this type of a case, is that it's the norm. You held accountable for the regular, the norm of what of expectation. And people generally, when they see a thorn bush, a thorn, they don't rub up against it. It's not something that they normally do. So therefore, if you've created a setback, and a person already is aware that the area that he's going into. He's not actually Shusar Rabin, it's just that he's had a permit to be there. He understands that the level of, of, of uh, responsibility of what he has to be careful with is on him. And since most people do not rub up against thorn tree, thorn bushes, so therefore the fence made up of thorns is not a case of bore. It's not the level of expectation over there, the liability is not on the owner of the thorn fence. But if you uh, put it on the boundary and you're actually projecting into the Rishwasarabim, there you already are in violation of creating an obstacle, create a, 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 a hazard into the Rishwasarabim. So in such a case, if somebody, even if he rubs up against it, the liability of Yochanan would hold is on the owner of the fence. But not necessarily because of Bor, because Bor, you're only Chayev in your own Rishwas. You're not Chayev um, if it is in Rishus Arabim and you no longer own the item. So that would still, we still are, are able to maintain what we're trying to say that Abu Lazar is the opinion that holds Bor Rishus Arabim is Chayev, it's Bor Shal Hefker, and of Yehuda, and of Yochran, and of Yehuda, and the Halacha would hold that such a case that could be Potter, it's only where you maintain ownership over the Bor. Says the Gemara, "Me, Amar of Yochanachi. Can you say this? That Rav Yochan really hold this position? Chor of Amar of Yochanan. 
Halacha Kestam Mishnah, we know that Rabbi Yochanan takes the position throughout Shas that when you have an anonymous Mishnah, that is the Halacha. Usnan, and we learned in the Mishnah, somebody dug a pit in the public domain. Obviously, he doesn't own the property. And a donkey or an ox fell into it, the mace, and died. That's the case of Bor. So clearly holds that Bor of the, day of, of, of the Torah is a Bor Shalhefker. So, we're, uh, so the one says this, that seems to be a for sure takes shows the position of Rabbi Yochanan. So Olam Yochanan So in the it clearly in the position of the Chacham in the position of Rabbi Yehuda, Rabbi Yochanan must hold Yochayev. Bor Rabin is the case of the Torah. It's Hefker, and the only reason the Mishnah your Potter is because you tripped it came through an onus. And the one says now, when Rabbi Yochanan Machayev, since Rabbi Yochanan takes the position of Yochayev, so Rabbi Lozer, who must be the one who says you're Potter, I, we have a problem because we had a proof that Rabbi Lozer did not hold like that. Rabbi Rabbi Lozer, Rabbi Lozer was of the opinion in the Shum Rabbi Shmuel, in the name of Rabbi Rabbi Shmuel, that two things that you don't own and Yochayev for, and one was Bor Bershus Arabin. The one says, look, gosh, it's not difficult. Hadidei, Bahadurabei. One is going like, like, one is his own opinion, which is the opinion we just said that he holds that Bor Bishos Arabin, you're actually Potter for. You're not Chayv, that's not the case of Bor. I has named these in the name of Rabbi Shmuel, this is Rebbe, what that was the position of his Rebbe. So therefore, going just to recap, Rabbi Meir Shita is Bor Bishos Arabin, you're Chayv. And if you're Mafkir, your items, you're going to be Chayv. And if, even if you tripped, where you were negligent and you broke the eye and, and then you don't want to pick up the shards and you mafker them, chayv, all the cases of bar. According to Rabbi Yochanan, Rabbi Yehuda disagrees only in the case of the Mishnah because where you tripped, there was an onus. So therefore, since you tripped and you were, it was an onus, even if you mafker, you're going to be potter you're going to, when you, you mafker because that's not the case. That's, it wasn't done deliberately. It was done by, uh, by an onus. You're not chayv in that situation. But if you deliberately put it down, Something down, and you mafkir it. You're chayv for According to Rabbi Lozner, Rabbi Yehuda Shita, the reason why he says the mission of your potter is because he holds always your potter for an item of hefker. Because the case of bor in the Torah is a bor b'shus hayachid, where you were mafkir the area around it, not the case where you dug it in b'shus harabim. Okay, let's go on to the next mission. Someone spilt water into public domain. And somebody else got damaged from the water. Chayev Benizko, the person who poured the water, has to pay for the damages. So, uh, okay, we'll see. The, this is going to we're going to explain this. Hamatznia esakot, somebody who hid a thorn, bezaschuches or glass, begoders gidro, or he made a fence, the coats him instead of stone, he used thorns. Or he had a stone fence that fell into the Rosh and somebody in the public domain got damaged by any of these items. Chayavaniskan, the person uh, who created this hazard, that created this uh, uh, obstacle in Rosh is Chayav for them. Okay. So, in the case of the fence that fell into Rosh Hashanah, there's actually going to be two ways of understanding what the pshat over here is. 
it could be that there was negligence involved because he had already been warned to take it down because the fence was not not sta- stable and therefore even if it damaged before he had a chance to remove the stones or while it fell he would be high because there's negligence in even leaving it up or it was a sturdy fence and he's liable because even though it was something that was a an, an onus an accident there was no expectation it was going to fall down, but the damage happened that because he didn't remove it in time. Uh, in such a case, he'd be chayiv uh, uh, if he was not mafker the stones. If he'd be mafker the stones, uh, we learned yesterday if it, if, that if it's an onus, and even though it's now you hold that it's it's hefker, it, it would be. Uh, bar, but it's a bar that was created through an onus, he wouldn't be chayev. So uh, it must be that he still retained ownership, and then it's considered like momen amazik. Okay, so you have two ways of learning that case and fell down. Let's go on. So he said that if you spilled water in Zerushas Rabin, that you are going to be chayev. So ta'amarav loshan nitan Talking about that the, the victims. Uh, clothing got damaged because of the water. Aval hu atzmo, but if it was the victim himself uh, from the Im- impact of slipping and, and hitting the ground, on that he'd be potter, the owner of the water would be potter because karka olam hezikato, that the, the ground, which has got no owner, is damaging him and he would not be higher for the ground. Even in case of bor, Rabbi Shitasa holds it the hevel that is created by digging, that the, the foul air not the impact from the ground but so it's the clothes so just as, as the Mephorshim speak out over here Rashi speaks out that it must be talking about then that he wasn't mafker the water because you mafker the water then it becomes a bore and bore you're not higher for on Kalim so, but you're not you, you retained ownership on it so it's like Mom and Hamasik fine and that's what we also uh, Rav actually learned similarly in the case where the jug breaks and the water damage so the same thing why do you have to make it that it's the water that's damaging and, and, and not from the impact of the ground? Why is it any different than when a person dumps out his mud or his sewage into the Shusarabim and someone gets damaged from it? So you heard to the water mixing with the ground is considered like his mud and let's be chayev from the mud. Why do you have to say that is getting damaged from the water? So Rav answered him, it means you're assuming that there's mud. But the case could be talking about as soon as the water hits the ground is that it doesn't turn to mud. It gets absorbed into the ground. So it's either the water that's above the ground that's not muddy is going to be making the person dirt, clothing dirty or it could be, or, or, or the ground hitting the, the impact. But who says that it necessarily is mud because the case could be talking about where the water was absorbed. That's why I wanted to make sure that the case that always works is the water damaging the clothes and not necessarily you're going to say from the mud, which doesn't always, always going to, it's not necessarily going to be there. So therefore, me, you're assuming that the water did not get absorbed. No, but Tamamai, we're talking about where the water was absorbed, and even so, so therefore it would be, the ground would only be from the impact, not from the mud. So it must be the water that wasn't absorbed, and not necessarily is mud, but is damaging the person's clothes. 
Taitilamali more points out that Rav actually learned both in both Mishnayas. One is when the jug broke and the water damaged, and the and the other one was and here where the person poured water. In both cases, Rav said the damage caused by the water is not from somebody slipping and smashing against the ground; it's the water itself damaging the clothing. So why do you have to have both? So Mora says like this: the reason you have to have both is it's to bring out the following point: is that there are certain times during the year when a person is allowed to spill things into the Rishus Rabbin. And so you might think in those cases you'd be potter. So therefore, if you only had the mission of the first mission of from the jug that's built, maybe it's talking about that the water that's spilling in there is not during the time of the year that you're allowed to do it. Maybe it's in the summer where you're not allowed to do it, so that's why you're liable. But here maybe so about in the winter and you're dumping into the winter, so maybe in the winter when the grounds are muddy and you're allowed to dump the water anyway, so maybe you'll be you'll be potter if somebody gets dirty from the water. So then the first Mishnah could be talking about in the summer and therefore we were in violation for having water there. But he's telling you the second Mishnah even even if it's happening in the winter we are allowed to, it does not uh, exempt the liability of dirtying the person's clothes. That's what we learn from the second Mishnah over here. And where do we see this concept? This time we learned in a Braissa. That all those who the Chachamim said, all of those decrees the Chachamim said that it's permissible to either uh, open your, your sewage pipes, that's the Bible is saying, Pais can open the sewage pipes, or Gorfin, or to dig out Marasein, the, the outhouses or the, that they had with the, the sewage to dump into the public domain was that you're allowed to do it. It was only done in the winter where you had the permission where the Rosh Hashanah anyway was, was, was all muddy and dirty. But in the summer when it's dry, you would not be allowed to uh, dump into the Rosh Hashanah. Even in the winter when you're allowed to do it, that even if it's done with permission, if the damage is caused, they have to pay. Let's see the Mishnah Vaitavatniasakari, somebody hit a thorn. So Amrav Yechra and Lushan Elamafriach. We had this before. We're talking about when are you chayev when the fence is made up uh, made out of thorns is only where the thorn is protruding into the airspace of the Rishwasarabim. So then you are held accountable for the damage caused by your fence. Aval Mitsam same, but if you made a setback and now it's in, the thorns are in what was your own property, even if you've given permission for people to come into that area, you are not going to be held liable for that. My time, uh, Potter, why would you be Potter in such a case where it's still your fence causing the damage? Because it's not the norm, so the level of expectation of supervision is not there. It's not norm to rub up against fences. In where you're actually violating a space of Rosh Hashanah so there you're considered to be liable because that, since you're in violation you are the one that is responsible but here, where it's not in violation of, of anyone's airspace, even if you can permission to people, but you can permission that you're going to be liable that the supervision is upon them, the level of expectation is you don't have to watch that nobody rubs up against the fences because that's not the norm a person who hid his thorns or his 
pieces of glass, what's that? Chesu used to be that the fences had holes in them on the outside and people would stick things in there. So somebody who put into it, you know, hit thorns or he had pieces of glass into the fence, and the owner of the wall, the one who owned the fence came and knocked it down and these hidden items now became revealed and fell into the public domain and they caused damage so on the one hand the person who hid them hid them in did not put them in he put them in the fence the person knocked down the fence so it's says that the owner the person who hid them on him is the liability it's considered his bar he's the one who did it so uh Why is that? So, Amrav Yechon and Lashana, this is only true, Elevekesa If it was a wall that was going to be demolished, so then the responsibility is on the person who hid the stuff in the wall, because he should have realized, since the wall is going to be demolished, at some point in time in the near future, these items are going to become free from the wall, and they might fall into Rishus Arabim. Therefore, it's his responsibility. He created the damage in Rishus Arabim. Amrav Bari. But if the wall was a sturdy wall and it was not expected to be knocked down, then Hamatsniya Potter, if it does get knocked down by the owner, then the one who hit it is Potter because on him we don't have liability because there was no expectation that the wall was going to get knocked down. The Chai Balakosa, the one who knocks down the wall, he is responsible because since he is knocking down something that generally people do hide things in, it would be on his uh, liability to go look and make sure that no one put anything in the wall with the expectation, the expectation that it wouldn't get knocked down. So now it becomes his liability. From here we see, you can compare that that person, someone has a pit and he, he takes without permission a cover that belongs to a second person and he covers it. Now, when the owner of the uh, of the, the lid of the cover comes and takes back his cover thereby uncovering the pit let's say somebody saw an animal falls into it so the one who dug the pit originally is responsible because you covered it with something that belongs to someone else the level of expectation is the person is going to want it back so you are now responsible because if he takes it back you have put us create a situation that you know was going to uh, potentially cause damage. So you can't say, I covered it because you covered something that was going to be taken. So this is analogous to the case where even though you hid away the thorns or the glass in a wall, but this is a wall that's about to collapse, so you know it's going to become a, a, possibly a damaging item, you are responsible uh, for the item, even though that person knocked it down, but the idea is it was expected to be knocked down. Here too, the idea was the person going to take back his cover, so the person who dug the pit is high. What's a pshita? That would seem to be the, the, the same exact thing, and there's no novelty in making that analogy. Whereas there's a bit of a, no, a novelty. Why? Because now the same, uh, you could have argued and said that Hassam, who, in the case of the thorns or the glass, there, the person who hid the items in the wall is not known 
People from the passerby put it in. So the guy who owns the fence that's even it's rickety, he wants to knock it down. You might think the reason why he's not responsible to not- notify, because who's he going to notify? He doesn't know who to notify. So the expectation is that the person who put it in, it's his responsibility. Avalhacha, someone dug a pit in their shusarab, and it's known. Uh, uh, I'm sorry, the person who dug the pit in Shusharabim, when he took the lid, he knew his whose lid. Uh, I'm sorry, the person who dugs, dugs, digs a pit in Shusharabim, generally it's known, it's a public thing, he's known who did it. So therefore, even if he took the lid without permission, when the person wants to come take his lid back, since people know who dug the pit. Maybe before he takes his pit back, he has to notify the person who dug the hole that I am taking my pit back and your pit is now longer, no longer recovered to Yodelet because he knows who to go to. If we should have notified him, Kamash Malan, that's what Ravina is teaching us, that no, in both cases, the responsibility is either on the person who hit the thorns or the person who dug the pit. And we don't say that the person whose lid was has to go notify that he's taking back his lid. Uh, the same way we don't require the person who knocked down the fence to notify, because it's not even possible to notify the people who hid the stuff in the fence that he's knocking it down. Okay. Toshima, come and listen. Chasidim Arishonim. Those who were very pious, they would hide their thorns and their glass shards in their own fields. Even if there was walls that were not rickety walls going to fall down, they would be careful because potentially could the wall at some point could be knocked down. So they would hide it in their fields to make sure that these items, the way of getting rid of it, that they would not cause any damage. And they also, when they did in their own fields, they would specifically go down more than three tvachim deep. Why more than three tvachim deep? So that there would not be uh, obstacles to the <coughs> to the the plow when people would plow the the the, 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 the blades of the plow would go down three tvachim deep. They made it more than that, so they would not get pulled up again and be exposed. Rabshesha would throw these items that he wanted to dispose of. He wouldn't even bury them. He threw them into a fire. He threw it into the Tigris River. Somebody wants to imbue himself with piety, with uh, the sensitivity that's required of a chassid. You study and you fulfill all of the details, the intricate details of Sechas Mazakin, either through the whole Seder, to refer to Bakamatsibasra, like we spoke about the introduction to the Masak to the Masakta. Rava Amar Milid Avas, you study Pirke Avas, you study Pirke Avas and you fulfill what's inside Pirke Avas, that's how you become a Khasid. Amrilah and some similar brachas, you learn all the halakhas of Masakh's brachas, Hilkhus brachas, and you keep them, that's how you become a pious person. Let's see the next Mishnah. Person took out his straw, or straws when it's broken into pieces, or his full grain straw, the ones that haven't been broken. And they used to do is they used to put them in the shusarabim to turn it into compost, that people should step on it and make it into a fertilizer. So he left it there, 
And because you left it there, who's that Vayanachar? Somebody came and got damaged by them. Chai Venisko, the person who put it out, in Dershus Rabbim, is Chai for damages. And there's a penalty as well, is that whoever comes and takes it is, uh, can keep them. That all people that cause some type of hazard or uh, obstruction in the Rosh Rabin and it causes damage, Chayavim Lashalim, they are obligated to pay. And also we have this penalty, anyone who, when the call anyone takes them, is, uh, is going has has a right to keep them. What exactly the machlok is in Tanakama and Rav Shimon Gamliel? We'll see in the Gemara. Ha'ofek has a glal, a person who turns over dung. We had this case yesterday. Rishus Rabim, he did it in Rishus Rabim. So even though he never lifted it up and put it down, he just turned it over. But who's Somebody else came and got damaged with him. Chai Nisko, he is going to have to pay for the damages, even though he never created it. The bar was there already. But the one I've learned yesterday and we we'll see today is that he acquired it. He intended to acquire it. Since he intended to acquire it, it's considered like his mamon hamazik. It's like his his monetary item that caused damage. Okay, let's go back to the beginning of the Mishnah. The Mishnah said that if somebody puts straw or or, or the uh, whole straw or broken straw in Jerusalem then the damage happens to is high. So Lehman is Lakh of Yehuda, Amishna seems to be not like Yehuda. The sign we learned the Brahsa of Yehuda Aimer, the Shahzad's volume, that there's seasons when a person's allowed to take put the manure or the compost into the Rashusa Rabin to be trampled on by animals and, and people. So uh, it's during that season, Adamotsi Zivlo there's a permit, you're allowed to put it out there. It's over close solution. You're allowed to let it pile for thirty days. in order that it's gonna be trampled, the Ragla Ragla by people and by animals. Because that, um, with that condition, that was built in condition, when they divided up the lands, this was one of the, this the, 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 the property zoning laws that were institu- instituted, that people were allowed to do this with the property into Rosh Hashanah when Yeshua divided up the land. So the Chorah then says you're allowed to do it, and our Mishnah says that you're a Chayiv, so it must be that our Mishnah does not go like Rabbi Yehuda, who says that that's one of the conditions, the preconditions of dividing up the land. The Chorah holds you would be Potter. So I feel the Rabbi Yehuda must say not, not a Raya. Our Mishnah could even go like Rabbi Yehuda. And Moder Hai Rabbi Yehuda, Shim Huzak, Mashallah, Masha Huzak. Because Rabbi Yehuda will agree that even if you have the permit to put it out there, but if somebody gets damaged, you will have to pay for the damages. The Mepharshim speak out, so when it says there that there's a penalty, that whoever comes and takes it is allowed to keep it, it must be talking about after somebody got damaged by it. it means before somebody gets damaged by it, it's there by permit, you might be high for the damage, but there's no penalty because you're doing it with permission. But after someone got damaged, then they institute the penalty, then if somebody got damaged by it, you better get it, if you leave it there, then there's a penalty, somebody else can take it. Says the Gemara, the Chora, how could you say Amnishna is going like Rabbi Yehuda, Ba'atnan, Rabbi Yehuda, Aymer, Bener, Hanukkah, Potter, that Hanukkah time, if an animal goes by and gets, it's, uh, what it's carrying gets caught on the fire from a candle that was outside the store of the, 
storekeeper. If it's Hanukkah time, then the storekeeper is exempt. The rest of the year, the first storekeeper would be liable because he's putting it uh, in Rosh Hashanah. But in Hanukkah, he's allowed to do. He's not going to be liable. because he's doing it a permit. Who means doing a permit? So my law versus Basin. That means Basin gave him a permit. So you see, when Basin gives someone a permit, then you're not liable for damages that occur. So how could you make Amnishna going that it's even though it's permissible to put out, but you're high in damages because because it's done with permit. Even though it's done with permit, you're going to be high with damages. See, you would hold by near Hanukkah when something's done with permit. You, you, you're potter from damages. So when it says, Lord, permit doesn't mean permit of basting. It means Meshul Meshul's mitzvah. When it's done because it's a mitzvah, then we cannot hold you liable. So it could be that permit, permit of basting will still hold you liable. Permit of mitzvah will not. It's a sign of the Lord. elaborates on his position. It says, Why are you part of Ner Hanukkah? It doesn't say Meshul's mitzvah. It doesn't say basting. Because of permission of the mitzvah, that's why you're allowed. Tashima, come and listen. Another contradiction to what we want to say that Rehud is the author of our Mishnah. All cases where it's permissible to be creating an obstacle in Rosh If there was damage, you are obligated to pay. Rabbi Yehuda, Potter, Rabbi Yehuda holds you're not obligated to pay. So here clearly you see, if you holds that we have a permit to put it out there, you will not be liable. So the Chayra then, and Amisha says you are liable, cannot be going like the, the, like the ruling of Rabbi Yehuda. Amr of Nachman, it's not a problem, because my thing is in the Levishas, it says, well, Amisha never said you're doing it at the time when you're allowed to take out the compost. And you're allowed to take out the manure. Our mission might be told about it's not during that season. And that's why Rabbi Yehuda, who is the author of Mishnah, holds you chayef. But I know Chinami, for during the time, Rabbi Yehuda, that you're allowed to put it out, Rabbi Yehuda might hold you part to Rabbi Yehuda, he, and therefore our mission could still go like Rabbi Yehuda. Rabbi Ashi, Amr, are different terrorists. Uh, that it could be, it's talking about during the time that you're allowed to put it out. I, Rabbi Yehuda says, you're potter. He says, there's certain things that you're allowed to put. You're allowed to put out the manure or the compost once it's already started fermenting. But if you put out the raw straw, the, the, uh, then it's much more slippery. So that you don't have a per- permit to. Even if it's during the season, when you put out the raw straw, which is much more slippery, then if someone gets damaged by them, even if Yehuda would hold, that normally when you have a permit to put it out, you're going to be potter, because these are so slippery, you're going to be high. The tivno, the kashot, not. I mentioned something about the tevin, or the, the, the broken straw, the whole straw, which is mishum, the misharkin. Misharkin, they're very slippery, then you're going to be higher in those particular cases. The Mishnah said that kolakotim and zachabahana was a penalty that was imposed that if a person puts out the straw and someone gets damaged, that whoever takes it first is allowed to keep it. So Amara Ben Bhagavan he says the penalty was imposed both on the original material themselves, the material itself, as well as anything that improves from it. The way these these compost would work is that you would put down a certain amount and then it would collect dirt and dust and, and all kinds of schmutz would be added to it. So it means what you started with was a small amount and then there would be improvements that we made and additional amounts would be added to it. So what Rav is saying is the penalty is not just on the additional amount, which is the illegal gain, 
because you now you gained by uh, putting something that caused damage, but even the initial amount that you put on, the penalty applies that the person that, that who's, who's coming who, who's coming to grab it does not only have to just grab the improvement, but he can grab the initial amount as well. That's what Rav is saying. Bein begufa and the initial materials as well as the improvements can be seized. Ziri Amr Vashvachan. He says the only thing you're allowed to take is what was gained illegally, which is the improvements. About the Gufa, but the initial materials have to be left alone. You can't grab. Whereas in my Kamifli, what are they arguing about? So Rav Savakan Sagufan Mishum Mishrachan. Rav holds that the way the penalty was imposed, it's true. It's imposed on the, because of the, uh, the improvements, but once they've imposed on the improvement, they, didn't make, they made, did not make a distinction. They allowed, because you can take the improvements, you can take the original item as well. That's what Rav held. So, Iri Amar, no. The only reason is for the ill-gotten gain, which is the improvement. So, look, Kansu, Therefore, they only made the penalty on the improvement, on the goof itself, on the initial items itself. They did not uh, include that in the penalty. So, Tanan, the one wants to bring a Raya, because in our Mishnah, it says two cases. It says a person who puts illegally puts the uh, straw or, the, or, or the, 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 the whole straw in there and says somebody else can come and seize it because he did so illegally. And then it said, and if somebody turns over dung in the Shusarabim, somebody got damaged from it, and because he's acquired the dung, he's responsible for it and therefore uh, he's liable for damages. Now there it does not say, it doesn't say that whoever comes and sees it, seizes it because he did something, he left something illegal and there should rob him so you can come and seize it. Now dung is not something that gets improvements. There are no improvements. It doesn't get added to it. It's always gufan. So it makes sense. According to Zairi, who said that the penalty is only where there's improvements, here there is no improvement, so therefore there's no penalty. That's why you can't seize it. And But according to, Ra, according to Rav, that the penalty was not only on the improvement, but it was also on the initial amount. So even though there's no improvement over here, but there is the initial amount, why can't you seize it? So Mora says that what Ra would answer is Tana Duraisha Vuad Din For once, in the case of straw, it says that you're allowed to seize it. So Ra will say, so it also includes in it the ruling for the dung, you're allowed to seize the dung as well. It says the Mora Vahal Fatani Allah on the, the Bryce that elaborates on our mission is, talks about Lahora on the case of the dung. It says Ashurin Mishum Gezel, that it's prohibited because of theft, which Lahora means that the person who owns the dung does not have to worry. No one's allowed to seize it. It would be prohibited. Now, that fits very good according to Zairi because there is no knas there and there would be stealing to take it. According to Rav, you're telling me that in both cases you're allowed to take it. So why does the Mishnah say that it's prohibited because of theft? Why does the Bryce say that in the Mishnah it would be prohibited because of theft, the Chor in the case of Dung? So Mora says no. That statement in the Bryce that says it's also because of theft is not only going on the case of Dung. It's going on both the case of straw and the case of Dung. And it's referring to the person who once he seized it, once he seized it, it's considered legally his, and it's prohibited to a third person cannot take it away from the person who seized it. That's what is going on. Kik Tani Asurim Gazel that the statement that it's prohibited because of theft is Akulamat Nisan Kais 
that's going on the entire Mishnah, both in the case of the straw and the case of the dung. And it's told by the Oser that the person who seized it legally, it's now prohibited because of theft to take either the straw or the dung. But of course, according to Rav, you can seize either because the, prohib- the seizing was not just on improvements. The seizing is on the initial item itself, and therefore you can seize the dung as well. The Brysa doesn't learn like this. There's none because we learned in, this actually a Brysa. None usually is a Mishnah. But we learned in the Brysa, Hamoti Tevno. A person who put out his straw, to turn it into compost, to manure. For Huzak Bahen Achran, someone was damaged because of it, you have to pay, you're liable for it. Anybody who sees it is allowed to seize it. Umutur Mishum Gazalan, it's not prohibited because of theft. You're allowed to seize it, it's not prohibited with theft. Vahov Chazaglal continues the Brysa. And someone who turned over dung, Lurshusarabim, in Rushusarabim, in a public domain. For Huzak Benachan, someone who was liable, Chayev, also there's liability on the person who acquired the dung. And here it's prohibited because of theft. Clearly, the Osr Mishum Gezel is only going on the case of dung, and it's referring to the seizing piece of this, that you're not allowed to seize in the case of dung, but you are allowed to seize in the case of straw. Then we, they're clearly not the way Rav wanted to say. And therefore, in the straw, why can you seize? Because you're seizing the improvements. And the dung, why can't you seize? Because it's, you, you would be seizing the goof. And that is what Zairi said. You can only seize improvement, not the goof. Therefore, this Bryce clearly seems to corroborate the understanding of Zairi and not the opinion of Rav. So, Amrav Nachman Yitzchak is not a kasha. The Glal Karam is what are you asking questions from Glal altogether from the case of dung? It's not a kasha and rab. Something that is, has potential improvement. So there you can take the original item, the original material plus the improvement because it has in it the capacity for improvement. It's where they put the penalty on this item altogether. But but something like dung that cannot improve and therefore you're not going to be getting ill-gotten gains in Rishusa Rabim. So Lakansu, there was no penalty at all on that item. No one's allowed to seize it. And if somebody sees it, it'd be over of, of, of Gezel. So basically, what Rav is saying, maintaining the penalty is only on improvement, but it's and only on things that can have improvement. On things that can't have improvement, so then... I'm sorry. Rav was saying the penalty is on, on, on the entire item, not just the improvement, on the item itself. But when can you take the item itself? It's when something that can have improvement. But something that does not have improvement, you can't take the item itself. So therefore, Rav has been reconciled as well with the Mishnah. Iboilahu, the Bnei Yeshiva had the following Shiloh. According to the opinion that says that you could take the, the improvement plus the original material, which is Rav, right? Does the penalty, is it imposed right away, even before there's improvement? Or does he hold that the penalty is only incurred once there is improvement, then you can take the actual original material. But the original material, before there's improvement, you wouldn't be allowed to take. So that's the Shiloh. So Toshima, come and listen. We brought into this mix, we mentioned a question from, from Dung. Now, in the original Havimina, when we asked the question from Dung, we're saying, according to Rav, who holds you allowed to take the original item as well, why can't you take the Dung? So clearly, from the fact that we asked that question, shows that when you're allowed to take 
because of the improvement, you can take it before there is improvement. Because if you wouldn't, then how could we even ask the question from Dung? If you're only allowed to take the original item where there is actual improvement, then there's no question on Rav from Dung. So obviously, Rav's shita must be that once you, that 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 you can take the original item even before there's improvement. Otherwise, you wouldn't have been able to ask the kasha from Galal. Tisbara asked the more, is that a logical question? It means you can't prove it from there. You can't prove to the one side of the Shiloh from there. Because ki irena glal, because when, when did we bring in the question, uh, uh, to discuss in the question, uh, against Rav from Dung? That's before Rav Nachman's answer. Before Rav Nachman made the distinction between Dung and, and straw. That's when he brought it in. But Labazit Deshani Rav Nachman, once Rav Nachman answered that there's only a penalty on something that has potential improvement, but dung which has no potential improvement, there is no penalty. Once you know that, it's based on potential improvement. So the shail is still, uh, uh, it returns. You can't bring a proof from dung at all. Dung, you can't bring a proof because it's not, we thought the knas is going on everything when we asked the kasha on, on, on glal. Now we see it's only things that have potential improvement. Now the shail is a good shaila. Is a potential improvement just in potential, but you could take the original thing before the improvements happen, or maybe because it's only because of the improvement that you can take the original thing. Maybe you can only take the original thing when the improvements are actually there, and therefore the shaila has not been resolved. Okay, let's go weiter. Lema Katanoi, the Gemara wants to say that maybe this machlo, this. Uh, Machlokas, whether the penalty is just on the improvements or the penalty is on the actual initial outlay, what the person initially put out there, do we say the penalty rolls onto that as well? That is, seems to be a machlokas tannoim. Very interesting parallel. We have, it's prohibited in the Torah to uh, charge interest on a loan. So what happens? You have starish kosev boribis. You have a document, a, a, an IOU that there was interest written to be paid on the principal. So konsin osov enegovelos akenvelos aribis. Divrav Meir. Meir says that there's a penalty that not only can't you use the document to collect the interest, but you also now are not able to use it to collect the principal as well. Penalty because you allowed such a document to be written, can't use it for either. Chachamim Omrim, Govin is a No, the principal was not, uh, you did nothing wrong on the loan of the principal. Lois Aribis, but you can't collect the interest with it. So, Lema Rav, Damakar of Merasa Rav, who holds that when they penalize, they penalize on the initial outlay as well, so that fits the Rav Mayer because the penalty is both. On the interest and on the on the principal, and Ziri Damakravon and Ziri is the prince that, that that the prohibition was only on the improvements goes like the Chachamim that the principal that the penalty is only on the uh, interest and not the principal. So Mora says Lav Dafka, Amalach Rav Rav will tell you Ana Amri Afilik Rabbonah. I can hold even like the Rabbonah, even though in the case of where a person put the straw in the stubble that I hold the penalty is on both the improvement and on the initial outlay, I could still hold like the Chachamim that in case of, of Ribas, the Knas is only on the penalty portion and not on the principal. Because Chachamim only took the position over there that you don't penalize the original principal because the, the principal, well, there's no violation, there's no problem with 
making a loan on the principal. Since there's no lo- violation on the principal, we don't put a penalty on the principal. But over here, if damage occurs, damage occurs uh, not just with the improvement, damage can also occur with the actual uh, principal with the actual initial outlay as well. And if it makes sense, if you're going to make a penalty, you make penalty not only on the improvement that can damage, but you also make the, uh, uh, you make a uh, penalty on the initial material as well. So therefore it's not a stira between the Chacham's ruling over there and Rav says and my ruling over here. Uh, Zeiri Amrlach and Zeiri will tell you, I could even hold like Rav Meir, even though I hold the penalty is only on the, the improvement and not on the initial outlay. By 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 Ribis, I can even hold like Rav Meir and hold the penalty is on both. Because Ad Kan Lokam Rav Meir Hosam Rav Meir only took his position over there because Ella de Mishask Siva to Avid Shoma at the time of writing the document where the uh, placement of the interest was already put. That's binding the interest to be paid from the document. So the, at the, from the get-go, from the initial writing of the statement, even on the principle, you're already in violation. The document, the entire document, is written in violation because it has a principle aspect to it. It has an uh, interest aspect to it, which means that even the writing of the principle was in violation with this document. So the penalty goes on both. Aval but over here, mi yemar demazik, is a potential damage doesn't necessarily go that it's going to damage. You're doing something wrong because potentially you're putting a hazard in Rosh Hashanah that might cause damage, but it might not. And therefore, you can understand that maybe there's more leniency since your initial act of when you put the initial outlay there, it wasn't, it wasn't damage, it was a potential damage, not an initial damage. So maybe there, when they, they more lenient, when they penalize, they only penalize what you improved because of what you did. But the initial item that you put there that had not improved, maybe on that there was no penalty. So therefore, it's not a contradiction. Where there's a violation from the get-go, so then you, you're already violating the laws of interest from the beginning, from the actual writing of the document, they penalize both. Where it's only potentially you might be in violation because there might be damage, they only penalize the improvement, not the initial outlay. So they have no, no right. So when it says, Lema, so maybe the Machlokas Rabbin series like the following Machlokas Tanoi. It says like this: Somebody put out the straw and the whole straw to make compost to make manure. For and somebody got damaged by them. says Anyone who seizes them, zacha. First of all, you have to pay for the liability, and anybody can come and take it. We're going to have to explain this in a moment. And they prohibit it because of theft. Anyone who causes uh, obstacles, damages, hazards, in and they ended up damaging someone, you have to pay. And anyone that sees them is allowed to take, is allowed to take it. And there's no violation of theft. So the when it says like this, that before we can even prove what we're trying to ask, we have to re- explain what's going on here. Hagufa Kasha. The Bryce itself is got a, a, a contradiction within its 
within the in the Tanakama. First of all, Amar Kolakaramem Zacha. Tanakama says whoever wants to come and take it can take it. And then of Azarka Amar Asur Mishum Gezel. And then he says, but it's prohibited because it's considered to be theft. What do you mean? If you're allowed to take it, it's not theft. So El Elav Hachikam. What he means like this is that Kolakodem Bahen Zacha B'Shivchon. That if you come and take the improvements, it's okay to take the improvements. But what's Osir? What is Osir Shum Gezel? He's a goof on the initial outlay. That's you're not allowed to do, which is the opinion of Ziri. And then Osir, Avangam Shim and Gamlil, the Neymar, Afilu Gufanami Kolakodem Zacha. That there's no prohibition because of theft. You're allowed to even take the initial outlay. There's no violation whatsoever. And now that reading of it would now, it would show that there is a Machlokas Tanoim between the Tanakama holds like Ziri and Rab Shim and Gamlil. Who holds like who, who, who would be the ruling the way Rav would rule? Someone says like this: Zeiri vaday tanoi. Zeiri has no way of explaining reconciling both opinions in this Mishnah. He can only go like the Tanakama. Tanakama says specifically there's a sur mishum gezel, meaning that the only way to understand Tanakama means on the initial outlay it's also mishum gezel, but in kolazok is on the is on the improvement. So. The Erie and, and, and Rav Shimon Gamliel then would be arguing on that point and saying you can take everything. So the Erie cannot hold like Rav Shimon Gamliel. He can only like the Tanakama. So according to the Erie, for sure there's a Machlokas Tanoim here, like we said. But the Rav, according to Rav, Mi Lema Tanoi, does Rav have to say that? Is there a way for Rav to explain that the Mishnah is going entirely like him? So Amalach Rav, Rav will tell you as follows. Everybody holds, you're allowed to take not only the improvements, you're allowed to take, like Rob's opinion, you're allowed to take the initial outlay as well. So what are they arguing about here? They're arguing about another concept. Sometimes the halacha is what it is. That is the halacha. But we don't publicly announce to the, uh, to the masses that you should go ahead and do it. It could create all kinds of issues and all kinds of problems. So we don't announce publicly that's the halacha. And that is what it's going to be saying over here. The Tanakhama says that Kolakoda Zachav Hanef Aloch, you're allowed to seize the entire amount. However, the reason why it says, but it's also to do it, meaning that's the position we have to take publicly. Publicly, don't announce that it's permissible to do because we don't encourage it. So therefore, even though technically there's a penalty and you could take it, but we don't encourage it. That's why it says, because that's the stand we take. We don't go out and promote that you should do it. Rav Shemim Gamliel's saying is not only is the penalty allowing you to take both, but it's okay to do. You can promote it. It's okay. That's the halacha. So therefore, comes both sheeters all like Rav. The only question is, how public do we make this halacha known? The Eid Malik was stated. Rav Huna Amar halacha. He says, that's the halacha. The Eid Malik came, but we don't publicize it. And therefore, this machlokas between Rav Huna and Rav actually is the machlokas between the Tanakhama and Rav Shimon ben Gamliel. Aini says the Gemara, do, uh, does Rav Huna hold that you shouldn't publicize that you're allowed to go ahead and take it? We don't want to make this a pu- public knowledge. There were people that were leaving their peeled barley in the public domain uh, and causing damage because of it. Uh, they wanted to dry there and people were tripping over it. So when he went out publicly, he said, it's Hefker. Anyone who wants to come take it, come take it. If you hold that the din of Kolazochavah should not be publicized, then why was he publicly making their, their barley Hefker? And a similar question is asked from Rav Adabar Avo, who said that, uh, 
as I, well, that's not actually a, a, a question from Ravada Barabo. Because he said that uh, it was, uh, the case was Slikusto. Uh, it was some kind of date residue that people were leaving public and causing damage. According to Bishlam, Ravada Barabo, we have no question. Because Kishmaita, he's following his ruling that publicly you do say it's Hefker. Publicly people can come and take it. The Kash is from Ravuno. El Ravuno, why is he saying it publicly? Is he retracting from saying that you shouldn't do it publicly and now he says you can? Morris says no. These people have been warned a number of times not to do it. And since they've been warned a number of times not to do it, even though generally we don't publicize that you're allowed to uh, seize it, in this case he did in, with these people because they had been warned not to do it at time. He dealt with them in a much harsher manner. So therefore, now Muslim Hubble, they've been warned many times. And that's why he was mafkar publicly that they should come ahead and take it. Gentlemen, have a good day.